welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We're starting a new series this morning. It's called Journey to Freedom, and we're going to be looking at what it looks like to move into the freedom that Jesus wants to bring uh, to my life and to yours. And we're going to be looking at it really through two different lenses. Uh, a lot of what God does in our life is both instantaneous and then a journey of growth. And if you think about just salvation in that sense, when you give your heart to Jesus, when you receive him as Lord and Savior, when you're born again, whatever language you would use to describe that surrender, that when you do that, you move from death to life, right? It's an instantaneous new creation in Christ. But then there's a journey that we go on to try to figure out how to live that out, what that looks like, how to be uh, Christ-like in our day-to-day activity. And when it comes to the freedom that Jesus wants to bring to your life, the freedom that he would want to bring to me, there are moments of transformative, catalytic transformation, where it's like, man, I moved from bound to free, and now I've got to figure out what it looks like to walk this freedom out. So we're going to be looking at that, both instantaneous moments and then uh, progressions of growth as we talk about what it looks like to journey to freedom. Uh, I'm a creature of habit a lot of times in the way that I drive through Sterling, uh, and now that they've completed the S-curve, right, all of my driving patterns are messed up, and I find myself uh, lost in my own city now at different times, but I take almost every Sunday the same, the, the, the same way home, and almost every Sunday I, I end up in the same conversation with my daughter because we pass a house each week. And in the backyard of this house, there are several dog kennels, and each one has a, a, a dog in it. And there's space in the yard for them to go and play, but oftentimes when we go by the home, they're in the kennel. And my daughter loves animals, oftentimes more than she loves people. We're working on that. We're shaping that a little bit. But we'll drive by, and she always starts the same conversation. Oh, Dad, look at those poor dogs. And I'm like, they look fine. Oh, Dad, their space is too small, and their water dishes are too, and it's too dirty, like whatever the da, 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 is. And then she's like, do you think we should do something about it? And I'm like, yes, we should drive home. Dad's tired. He's going to take a nap, right? That's my solution to the problem. But every week, it's kind of the same thing. She recognizes the, the conditions that they're in. And for her, she assumes that means some certain things. And so she wants to intervene. She wants to do something about it. And so we will at times kind of have playful conversations. At times she'll squeeze out tears and try to get me to be more empathetic. And then times she gets like a little bit, we're going to do something about this. She's like, dad, dad, what if, what if we snuck in at night and we, we set them all free? And I, wait, what? Like, what are you talking about here? This doesn't even sound like a conversation I want to have. But then what are we going to do with the dog? We're just going to turn him loose on the town? Like, that's probably not a good idea. We're going to bring him home and look at, surprise, mom, more animals for the house. Like, but she, she'll think about, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about this. And then I go back to my resolution to the problem. I'm going to go home and take a nap. That's how I'm going to deal with this. But when Jesus looks at you, Okay, when Jesus sees me, when he looks at us, he, he actually sees it all. 
When we drive by and my daughter sees the conditions, she makes some assumptions. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that the animals are mistreated in any term. But she looks and she thinks that there needs to be a difference. The difference with you and I is when Jesus looks at you and I, he actually he does see it all. He knows every place where the condition of your life isn't the way that it should be. He knows every place that you're confined, where you're diminished, where you're trapped and hemmed in and stuck, maybe by your circumstances, maybe by the consequences of the life that you lived, maybe by just the way that you feel. And you're, you're trying, you have a desire to grow, to become the man of God or the woman of God that he has purposed for you to be, but you just, you don't feel like you can move forward. Like he sees and recognizes all of that. He sees your hurt. He sees your brokenness. He sees your wounds and your grief. And he doesn't have to imagine it as my daughter does when we drive by. Like he knows the places in your life that are really broken and in distress. He sees the places where you're reluctant to trust him where you have little faith, where you're overwhelmed by doubt. He sees our unwillingness at times to change, and he sees our hard hearts, and he sees the places where we're comfortable with our broken lives, and we would maybe even prefer those to what he would offer as far as freedom. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he knows all of those details of your life, even the ones that you've become very skilled at hiding away and masking. And he has already determined that he wants to bring rescue. That he, he has determined that he would bring freedom to that place in your life. In fact, he would extend that invitation to you. And even as we begin the series today, I would encourage you to begin to ask that question, where do I need to experience his freedom? Not in the future, but today. Where would Jesus speak to the situation of your life today? He's always inviting us out of the ashes of the life that we have to enjoy the fullness of the life that he would offer us, his abundant life. And this invitation, while is often a moment where we say, yes, I want that, it becomes an invitation to enjoy the fullness of that as we journey with him, as we follow Jesus into the fullness of those things. He comes to bring us freedom, and then we go with him into the fullness of that. He has come to bring rescue. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and get those out. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, I would encourage you to open up your Bible app. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts today. Lord, that you would give us courageous hearts to be vulnerable before you. Lord, maybe even in, in places in our lives where we, we haven't been vulnerable before people we're not sure that we're comfortable enough to trust them, but Lord, may we trust you this morning. The places where we feel stuck or challenged, broken or less than. Lord, that we would be willing to say yes to the freedom that you offer us in Jesus' name. Amen. With your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to Isaiah chapter 61. We're going to be looking at that portion of Scripture, just several verses, but we're going to look at them really in detail this morning. And in Isaiah chapter 61, the first several verses of that chapter are really important ones for our church family. They uh, are, are part of the core of our values and, and what we believe that Jesus wants to do in our lives. Uh, and they really are a declaration that he makes of his intention, of what he would do with your life if you would yield that to him. 
And each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them began in some form or fashion to talk about who Jesus is and how he went about demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God. They began to go through the narratives uh, of his ministry. But in the Gospel of Luke in particular, it begins uh, specifically with a public announcement that Jesus has begun to share the good news. This good news can be summed up in that the kingdom of heaven is now, that the kingdom of God is available, that all the longing of your heart for someday things are going to be different, that that can happen now because the presence of God is imminent and because Jesus has entered in to human history. And as Luke begins to, to write that narrative, is, and he, the, the place that he begins uh, to start with is really a place where Jesus comes into the synagogue and he's invited to uh, take the seat of the rabbi. He's invited to teach that day and they hand him the scroll of Isaiah and he opens the scroll and he reads a few verses and then he just closes the scroll back up and says, today this has happened. Uh, some of you would long for me to just preach a message like that. Like, Pastor, just read like four verses and say, hey, we're done, and then let's get to lunch. It's not going to happen today, but, you know, keep, keep praying. You know, maybe the Lord is going to answer that sometime. But Jesus, he just, he opens the scroll. He doesn't expound on it. He doesn't go into a deep teaching on it. He reads these verses. He rolls it back up, and he says, today this is happening. I'm here, and I intend to fulfill all of this. It was a proclaimed declaration of what he would do in the lives of people. And it's still what he would intend to do in your life and in mine. And so Jesus, in that setting, he opens up the scroll of Isaiah. He goes to Isaiah, what we would say is chapter 61, and he reads these verses, and this is how it reads. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And as Jesus read those verses, as, as he proclaimed that in the general assembly, he then rolls up the scroll and says, today this has been fulfilled. All of the longing for this to take place, all of the hope of one day things will be different. Jesus says, now I am here and I'm doing these things. Today is the day. And what Jesus declared to be the focus of his ministry, it's still the same thing. He still intends to do all of these things in your life and in mine. He intends to interact with us in these ways. And so we're going to look at them this morning. It's not an exhaustive list. It's not the only ways. It's not the only things that Jesus has come to do. But as Luke begins his gospel of the ministry of Jesus Christ, this is where he begins with that focus. And the first thing that is unpacked here in Isaiah 61 is that Jesus has come to proclaim good news to the poor. And we have to understand that in the context of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the context of the gospel, the message, the good news that Jesus came to bring. And all of those gospel writers say the same thing, that when Jesus began to do his ministry, that he went and said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is now, or the kingdom of God is at hand. And it means that the way that God intended for things to originally be can now be restored because of what I'm about to do. 
that the sin and the brokenness and the separation that has been a part of the human context, that there is going to be a way to redeem and restore that because I have come and it's happening now. The good news that is being proclaimed is that, that, the, that though God was once far off from us as we were separated because of our sin, he is now made close because of the work that was about to be done by Christ on the cross to proclaim good news to the poor. And the poor here, although the word can be understood as, hey, I've only got a couple bucks, you know, can I bum a, bum a five spot so I can get lunch? Like, it's, it's not just like this type of poverty in an earthly material sense. It can carry that connotation. But this understanding is much more closely related to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it's talking about a spiritual poverty. To be impoverished in your spirit. And that could be something that could be uh, demonstrated oftentimes by maybe a lack of faith. Uh, our, our trouble with trusting God at his word. The places in us where the, we lack the presence of God and the joy of the Lord. Because the good news was that the kingdom of heaven is now. And even the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done here. Let's make this place as awesome as that place. And Jesus came to bring us that type of news. Where in your life, where in your life today, where would the Holy Spirit say there is a lack of the presence of God or the joy of the Lord? Where could you identify a place where you're really struggling with your faith or you're being overwhelmed by doubt? where there's this sense that the presence of God isn't a part of your experience and your context. That would be a place where in many ways you would be spiritually impoverished. But Jesus would say, I have come to proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven is now. The kingdom of God is now. The presence and power and joy of the Lord is to be had today, not just longed for for someday. And the verses kind of move from that progression, this idea that there's good news for you and I in that place, to Jesus declaring that he has come to bind up the brokenhearted. To bind up the brokenhearted. And I think each one of us, if we were willing to be really transparent and vulnerable with one another, could identify several areas where this is true of us. This idea of being brokenhearted, this isn't like a, just like a, a forlorn love lost. Oh. It's, it's hurt. It's grief. It's brokenness. Disappointment. Discouragement. A, self, uh, a sense of abandonment. If you were honest, where, where are those present? For many of us, the last year, the last two years, have been full of brokenheartedness. We've grieved loss, been deeply disappointed and discouraged. We've been hurt and we've been offended. And we felt all alone. 
And Jesus would say into those areas of your life that he wants to come and bring freedom from those places. And many of us, when we deal with brokenness in our lives, we don't deal with it very well. Oftentimes, our brokenness causes us to retreat and we move off into isolation. We move off into the shadows. And in that place, we feel stuck. We feel overcome. We don't see or sense a way forward. And Jesus would come and speak to those areas of your life. And he would say, I have come to bind up the brokenhearted. That means to set in place, to restore, to make whole, kind of like casting a broken bone. It's not just to put it in place, but now I'm going to preserve it. I'm going to protect it until it's healed and, because it's, and, and until it's whole. That Jesus would come and bring freedom to that place. Many of us in our, in our areas of brokenness, we're not uh, enjoying the freedom that is ours in Christ. We're stuck there but he would speak freedom to you and I. One of my favorite passages about how the Lord responds to brokenness in our lives, the way that he responds to the brokenhearted is Psalm 34. And in Psalm 34, verse 17, it says this. It says, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. Oftentimes in my brokenness, I cry out and feel like my voice just echoes out into nothing. Have you ever felt that way? You feel alone, isolated, and even as you cry out for help, it's as if you, you, you feel or sense or have this understanding that somehow that the Lord is fall, far off, aloof. He's got better things to do. He's driving by your plight and he's going to go home and take a nap. But scripture says that he hears your cry, that the Lord hears them, and he delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The places in your life right now that are broken, that are fractured, that are lessened, that are diminished, the places where you're disappointed and discouraged, where you feel abandoned by those that are closest to you and even by the Lord himself, he draws near to you into that place. He draws near to the brokenhearted. And Jesus says, I have come to bind that area up. I have come to bring healing and wholeness to that area of your life so that you would walk in the fullness of the freedom that I offer. He's come to bind up the brokenhearted. Where are you dealing with issues of brokenness in your life? And what freedom is offered to you today? Maybe that's a good question for you to entertain. The passage moves from there, from the idea of binding up the brokenhearted to proclaiming freedom for the captives. to proclaim freedom to the captives. Every one of us can relate to areas in our life where we have felt like we were in bondage, where we just are way forward, where try as we might, we couldn't make headway, or we couldn't continue the course. We couldn't see it through, we couldn't finish it out. Places in our lives where we feel stuck and where we feel trapped, where we feel confined, Places in our lives where we're dealing with the same pattern of destructive behavior, the same thought pattern that leads us into dark places, the same habits and hangups that we have that seem to create self-sabotage 
that even though we would desire to be men of God and women of God, we would desire to live wholeheartedly into the plans and purposes of God, that we just seem to create our own obstacles because we're stuck, we're bound. And we may try to rattle our chains and we may try to shake the cage, but we don't sense a way forward. In all of those places, Jesus would come and he would speak freedom. Jesus can break the chains. Jesus can break that pattern. Jesus can mend the destruction. Jesus can do that. And apart from him and our best efforts, we can't. We can make a lot of noise and we can do a, a, a little bit of self-help, but we don't, we don't ever see the freedom because we can't free ourselves from those things. And Jesus has come to speak freedom to those places in our lives, to bring freedom. And then he moves from that imagery to this statement in the, the Isaiah 61, the, in, in the Old Testament passage, the way that it reads is that there would be release from darkness for the prisoners. And a lot of times we read those two verses almost like the same thing, or those two halves, right? That he's going to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And we play kind of on that prison and captive and kind of the darkness. And we think of like a dank, dirty cell. And, and, and we would consider those two things together. But that phrase there, to be released from darkness or to release from darkness the prisoners, it has to do with releasing those who have become overcome or overwhelmed by the darkness around them. It's less of just kind of like a bondage and kind of a captivity and more of a darkened countenance or a hardened heart, an inability to recognize and see the grace of God moving in our lives. In fact, in the, in, the, in the Luke passage, the way that this passage was translated into the Greek, in that place, it says that he would release those who are oppressed. And many of us struggle with the oppression of darkness in our lives. We've become overcome by the darkness around us. And sometimes this plays into that kind of that freedom captive thing or that brokenhearted uh, type of an issue where the Lord wants to come and do a work in us, but we kind of move ourselves, we distance ourselves from him, especially with our brokenness. Have you ever had well-intentioned people come and try to help you in that place of brokenness and you just, ah, I just, I don't, I don't want to be around people right now. We have a tendency to isolate and to move off into the shadows ourselves and try to attend to our own healing and wholeness. And when we do that with the Lord, we separate ourselves and we move into that darkness. And when we become overcome by that or overwhelmed by that, it's a darkening of our mind and our thoughts and it's a hardening of our hearts that brings us to a place of hopelessness. Jesus wants to release from darkness those who are imprisoned by it. When our minds and our hearts have been darkened and hardened to the hope that is ours in Christ and the faithfulness of his promises, it's almost an inability to recognize who God is and what he's trying to do to bring his grace and mercy into a fruition in your life. In Romans chapter 1, as Paul begins that whole book, he describes in that first chapter really what it looks like to be far from God. What it looks like to be in opposition 
to our Heavenly Father. And in verse 18, he begins to write about the, the result or the consequence of that. And that really, that since the very beginning, man has had an understanding of who God is, that, that he can be seen and recognized in creation, and he's always been a part of the human story. But our tendency has been to, to move away and to hold at a distance and retreat into the shadows. And the result of that becomes a darkened heart and a darkened mind. Verse 21 of Romans chapter 1 says this, So although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. There's something in the human heart that, that, that we know and we sense, but there is a willingness at times to reject that all completely. Not to give God glory, recognition, or acknowledge, not to thank Him for His grace and His beneficence, but to just kind of move on into pumping ourselves up as our own gods or to looking to creation to fill that role. And when we do that, when we, when we retreat from the person and presence of God, the result is this, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. There's an inability to see and recognize who God is and what he's doing. And there's an unwillingness to have a soft enough heart to receive what he would do in our lives. And then verse 22 says, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And every single one of us has foolish stories as part of our overall narrative. Places where we were foolish and hard-hearted to the things of God. And some of those stories have been redeemed by his grace. And we can look back and we say, man, I was lost, but now I'm found. And then some parts of those stories were still hard-hearted and darkened to what God would want to do. But he intends to bring freedom. Jesus intends to bring freedom in all of these areas that we're discussing this morning. And then so much more. As we go through this series, we'll see time and time again where he will say, I have come to do this in your life. I've come to offer freedom in this way. And we'll begin to unpack that and move forward, and I believe, into the fullness of what he would offer to you. And I, but it begins with a recognition that he wants you to be free. He wants me to be free. To be free in these areas specifically. That I wouldn't be spiritually impoverished and that I wouldn't just exist in my brokenness. That I wouldn't just throw up my hands and say, well, this area of bondage, I guess I'll always be bound because I haven't freed myself from it. And the places where my heart is hard, that's just the way that I am. No, Jesus wants to bring freedom. To do that instantly, maybe even this morning, and then to invite you into a journey where you begin to grow in the fullness of what that looks like in your life. He wants to save you from your impoverished spirit and your brokenness and your captivity and your hardness of heart. And the beautiful thing is that his intention isn't just to, to free you from those things, but to free you to everything else that he has to exchange in those. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the second part of that verse, Jesus says that I have come Another one of those statements that is a declaration of his intent. This is why I'm here and what I want to do. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
Another way to say that would be that I have come that they would have life and that they would have it more abundantly. Real, lasting, abundant life. Life that you could never have without Him. That it would be something that you walk into, that you experience. You are saved from all of those things previously, but you are saved to abundant life in Jesus. Abundant life in Jesus. My daughter had her way. She would save these dogs, but it wouldn't be to abundant life. Their cages would be open and they would be running loose in Sterling. And Jesus doesn't just open those places of captivity in our lives and then just release us into an uncertain world. Jesus always saves us to himself. He saves us to himself and invites us to journey with him and enjoy the fullness of that relationship. He comes to bring us freedom and we go with him into that freedom. Church family, I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Worship team, I want to invite you forward. And we're going to consider where the Lord might be asking or inviting you to experience his freedom. As the worship team makes their way forward, I'm going to ask you uh, to just close your eyes just for a moment. Not because it's particularly spiritual, but it's helpful in closing out distractions. And I want to encourage you to start with this question. Where in your life are you in need of rescue today? Today. If you were in that synagogue on that day Jesus read from the scroll and he opened it up, and said, hey, everything that you were longing for, all of the hope that you had for this passage, it's today. Today, I'm going to do this. It begins today. What would your need be? How would you respond? Are there places where you're spiritually impoverished? Where you're having a hard time trusting the Lord? Where you would say you've got little faith? Or where you're being overwhelmed by doubt? where you lack the presence of God in your life, where you lack the joy of the Lord. In that place of spiritual poverty, would you hear him proclaim the good news? Are there areas in your life this morning where you're brokenhearted? Where you're hurt, you're offended, you're disappointed, maybe you're overwhelmed by a deep sense of loss and grief, you're discouraged? Jesus has come to make you whole and healthy, to bind up the brokenhearted. Could you surrender that to him today? Where in your life are you held captive? Where are you bound? Where are you stuck? Where are you trapped? Where are you dealing with the same issue of sin? Where are you dealing with the same addictive behavior? Where are you dealing with the same familiar pattern of thought or action that keeps bringing you back to the same place? And could today be the day where you are set free and you move into the fullness of that freedom? 
Where in your life do you need to be released from oppression? Where do you have a hard heart? Or you have dark thoughts? Where are you wrestling with depression and anxiety? Could Jesus offer you freedom there? With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if there's an area of life that you know fits into one of those, I'd ask that you would just put your hands out in front of you as if you were offering that to the Lord. Some of you would be able to offer a very specific and single issue of life, and you would say, Jesus, right here, I need freedom in this area. And some of us may be holding out the whole of our life and just saying, Jesus, it's all a mess. I don't even know where to begin. But he does. Lord, we offer our areas of need to you. Jesus, you said you came to do this. You said you came to deal with these things. Our spiritual poverty and our broken hearts, our places where we're captive and bound, and even to rescue us from our own dark minds and hard hearts. And so, Jesus, we offer each one of these areas to you. Lord, as my friends would hold their lives out before you, we ask that you would do what only you do, and that is to bring freedom. Lord, we cry out to you, as the psalmist says in Psalm 34, and we believe that you hear our cry and that you deliver us from all our troubles. And so, Lord, we offer these to you. And we say, Jesus, come, meet us in this place, and lead us to freedom. But I thank you that when you look at our lives, you don't just recognize our plight and then drive home, take a nap. Jesus, you look upon our lives and you see our great need and you say, that's exactly what I came to address. So Lord, speak your freedom to each heart here today and give us courage and a desire to follow you into the fullness of that freedom as we respond to your lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus has done great things. He will continue to do great things, and he is going to walk us into full freedom as we go through this series together. I fully believe that. Expect that. Expect him to move in your life, and you will see that take place. Action steps for this week. If you've got a smartphone or a tablet, I encourage you to take a picture of this. Otherwise, you can catch it online. Number one, acknowledge your need. The places where you have need of Jesus to move, be honest with him about that. Number two, cry out to Jesus for rescue. He's not going to close his ears to you. He will hear. And then number three, follow him into the freedom that he invites you into with him.